glad to Rodriguez family is well and back with us again. Yes. I know. And then I almost said poor Beth, but she'd scold me for that. She's been out <laughs> the last two weeks battling sickness at her house. And then today uh, it's her turn to do the class in the back with the children. So she's uh, she's in for a triple portion next Sunday. Yes. So, but we want to go ahead and, and let the kids go and let Beth go today. Feel the presence of God as quickly and as easily and tenderly as we have this morning, especially somewhere that's not a traditional church place. Um, God has put His seal of approval on our meeting here. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about uh, something that's gonna it's gonna apply. As the word always does to every single person in here, no matter where you are, and you walk with God. Uh, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you fair advance notice that this one's there's gonna be some parts of this one probably that are gonna gonna strike somewhere in that bone and marrow place. Mm. That's good. I like the word like that. Um, do we have an extra Bible? Oh, he's got it on his phone. I don't know when in the world I'm ever gonna get used to Bibles being on the phones. I'm always quick to borrow a Bible and give somebody, and they've got. The whole world at their fingertips. <laughs> uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 15 today. You said Luke 15? Luke chapter number 15. Haven't told the verse yet, Nathan. <laughs> All right, bro. <clears throat> we're going to start verse 11. Uh, we're going to read the story through, then we're going to come back and, and we're going to dig. <clears throat> now look, if, if reading is a problem, that's okay. Right? This isn't grade school. Nobody's going to make fun of you if you mess a word up Amen. or read a little bit slower than somebody else, okay? Right. But I will say this. In your walk with God, you are... you. It is necessary. You must learn to read. Yes. So one thing I'm going to try to do when we come together is when I remember to, is to, there's different sections of Scripture that we can all read together out loud. And, you know, I'll lead, and of course I'm louder than everybody else, so you'll be able to hide your voice pretty good and read along with. But I'd like you to practice reading with me when I ask you to, because it'll make it easier for you later. And plus, uh, you know, the, the devil is referred to as the prince of the power of the air. That means God has given him authority over the airwaves. That's why there's so much filth on the airwaves today. That's why you can take any, any one of these phones anybody's got right now and just go, Poop, and you ain't got to be looking for nothing nasty. It'll pop up. I, I just, and I do want to say this pun, out of the blue. Amen. That's literally where it comes from. Yep. Prince of the power of the air is the enemy. So when we read the word of God or we worship out loud together like we did today, we disrupt those airwaves. And I like that idea myself. So we're going to read this story, <clears throat> Luke chapter number 15. And we're going to start with verse number 11. And read with me, will you? And he said, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fat calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Okay. The ending of that story is a whole nother Sunday. We'll, we'll try to leave the big brother alone today the best we can. I want to talk to you today about a far country. A far country, or... A robe, a ring, and combat boots. Robe, a ring, and combat boots. Now, the one telling the story here is Jesus himself. As we go back to verse 11, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Now I want you to notice, see there's a lot in these verses. I want you to notice when Jesus is telling the story and he says the younger of them said to his father, the word father is with a small f. But then the very next word father is in a capital. It's the same man it's referring to what has changed. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, the first thing we need to understand is this is a cold-blooded move. On the son's part, man. The first, he asked his father, give unto me that which falleth to me. See, it's supposed to fall to him after his father is gone. It doesn't fall to him now. But he got to looking around his father's house. All the way up until this day, he had worked in his father's house had brought in a produce, had brought in a, a, a surplus, a profit into his father's house, regardless of the kind of business that it is, he doesn't tell us. But up until this part, the two sons, the two brothers had worked together with their father. And this youngest son must have got to looking around at some point in his day-to-day -day living and got to looking around and said, you know what? I'm tired of working. You know what? This, there's a lot of stuff right here. And by my count, one out of every three of these things is mine. 
Because the father, when he leaves, it's only got two sons. The first one in the Bible gets a double portion. I like being the oldest. <laughs> but the oldest son gets a double portion. So that means his father had two kids, but in his will, he would divide everything up into three parts. And the oldest son would get two parts, and the youngest son would get his one-third. And this youngest son got to looking around somewhere along the line and decided, you know what? This third's looking pretty good. I mean, what good is this third of everything that's around here if I don't get to use it? I mean, I'm just what? My dad might live to be 100. What if he outlives me? I don't know. He might have Abraham genes in him. I don't know how long he's going to live, but I'd like my third right now. So he went to his father in a very disrespectful thing. Like, Daddy, I know I'm not supposed to get my inheritance until you're dead, but... Would you mind? You know, could I just like get a third now, and we we'll call it we we'll call it even? Yeah. And his dad obviously loved his son more than he loved the rules, because he divided unto them. Notice what the father does. This is really cool. Both sons don't come to the father; just the youngest one. But when the father hears this youngest son ask something disrespectful, not only does the father love the son enough to let him have what he think he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then he also, he doesn't leave out the other son. The other son didn't ask for nothing. Now. That's pretty cool, Nelson. He said, I'm going to go ahead and split it up among all of you. And notice what it says. He divided unto them his living. It don't say, Jimmy, that he divided unto them his savings. Right. doesn't say he divided unto them the security bond that he had in the vault that the lawyer has in the will to divide among the boys. It says he divided unto them his living. That means he let everything there was, man. A third of everything went to that younger son, and two-thirds went to the older son. What's daddy got? Well, daddy thinks I still got my sons. Mm. Sometimes we as parents, especially parents of adult children, you know, if you ever hear anybody with older kids tell you, Robert, that it gets easier when you get grown, they're lying. All right. Nobody ever told us that when our kids were little. They, did they, anybody tell you that? I mean, I'll tell I heard once they get grown and gone, life gets easier and it's easier to parent them. Whatever. Right. When they get grown, if they decide they want to drive off a cliff, there ain't nothing you can do. You can tell them, hey, dude, you're headed for a cliff. I have a son that's almost 40. I know. And you can tell them, man, look, that's a cliff. You're going to fall off. This is going to be real bad. A lot of band-aids go around. But when they're an adult and they want to do it, they'll do it. So as a parent of adult children, you just watch them sometimes drive right off the cliff. So I get it why this father did what he did. He, he said, well, you know, if I give my stuff, because this father didn't care about his stuff. He cared about his kids. So if I, I give my kids my stuff, then okay, I still got my kids, so I don't care. But then look what, this, look what happens. Look what this young son does. He says, Father, I do want you to notice, are the F's different in that first sentence for you in that verse? Or is it just my Bible? Verse number 12. He yeah. said unto his father, small F. Mm-hmm. Is the next word Father got a big F in your Bible too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so see what, what, what the writer is trying to do. Jesus is trying to let us know that this is like an example of us and the Father. Capital F. You see? Mm-hmm. This is us and the Father. Now, now, once I came into the Father's house, and I started realizing there was something to this, because that was the first mission, to, to find out is there something to it. And like Robert said, when I, when I told him before the service started, he says, yeah, I'm seeing that. He's seeing that this <laughs> stuff works. If you work it, it works. Yes. And when I started learning that, it just blew my mind. And I started looking around. There have been a lot of things I hadn't had a lot of in my life. I, I hadn't had a lot of peace in my life. 
I hadn't had a lot of joy in my life. I wasn't the kind of person that laughed all the time. I wasn't that kind of a person. So there were some things when I started coming around the Father's house, Nathan, that I saw some other people had, and they said they got that peace from the Father. And I was like, well, he's my daddy too. I'd like him to give me my goods. What falls to me, I'd like right now. And there's nothing wrong with that when we come to God. Man, I want peace, God. I'll take it. I want joy. I'll take it. I want your favor in my life, Robert. I'll take it. Right? But sometimes we wonder why some things don't come as quickly as others. Mm-hmm. Because we ask for the joy, or we ask for the peace, or we ask for this, and God gives it to us. The Father gives it to us because it's His good. It's His living. He puts it in our life. But then there, there's some other things that ain't come yet. Like for us, this might sound silly to you, but for about the first eight or nine years of our walk with God, I fought every car devil in Illinois. Every one of them. And you said there ain't no such thing as a car devil. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> The reason you feel that way is because I was fighting mine and yours too. There are some areas of your life that God will leave the wheels off a little bit. Hear me now. There are some areas that God will leave the wheels off a little bit in our life. Because you know what? When the wheels are off on something in our life a little bit, we tend to pray just a little bit more. When the wheels are, we feel like the wheels are coming off of something in our life, we tend to fast a little more seriously. We tend to get a little more discipline in studying the words and drawing closer to God when there's a wheel somewhere looking like it might fall off. Yes. But when all them wheels are solid and everything's going, woo, full speed ahead. We, humans, get lazy real fast if we're not careful. God knew that because before the children of Israel went into the promised land, God told them, he said, I'm going to drive all the people that built those houses out of there so you can have it. He said, I'm going to drive all the people that dug all the wells out of there so you can have it. And I'm going to send you into a land in the houses you didn't build. And you can drink from wells you didn't dig. And he said, but be careful. And here's the one thing he told him to be careful of. Be careful when you get full that you don't forget me. Mm-hmm. See, they didn't forget God before the promised land because he was out in the wilderness somewhere. They didn't forget God out in the wilderness because there wasn't a stove or a refrigerator with excess food. You went out in the morning and gathered enough to last the whole day. And if you gathered any more than that, it rotted and you couldn't eat it the next day anyway. God was teaching dependence in the wilderness. You learn dependence when you're in the wilderness, man. Dependence upon God I'm talking about. So it's when we learn that dependence that puts us in a place in our spirit where we come to God and we're wide open. We're like, okay, God, if you're real, I want to know it. It's, it's that, that place in life that brings us to where we're wide open and we're saying, you know what? Okay, teach me. Show me. If there's something to this, where's it at? God knows sometimes the best thing he can do is our Father is not give us everything at once. So, I'm going to put this warning out there for you today. Be careful when you can. Hey, brother, good to see you, dude. Be careful. And you too. Don't leave you out. Be careful when you get full, okay? And it's okay. Man, when, you, when, when all you wanted all your life was, was, was somebody to love you and a good wife to have your back, and, and, and it happens, and it's a miracle. God makes Polly pure heart fall in love with the leader of the pack. It don't happen, you know. And he makes it happen. And a couple years into living for God, and, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just kind of coast a little bit. Because there ain't no fires anywhere. Ain't no wheels falling off. 
So be careful when you're full. Don't forget the one that made you full. Now look what the son does. He gets his father's living. And then he leaves. So you see what's behind my warning to you? I can tell you that since 1992, I've seen hundreds. It's no exaggeration, Nathan. Hundreds of people come to the house of God in different states at different churches and make contact with God. And you can see it in their face when they do. There ain't no hiding it. So you know they've made contact with God. And then they get touched by God. They get healed of cancer. Or, or, or God gets them out of that 20 years they had coming on that court date. And they're a free man with just a little probation to do. But then a little bit later, poof, gone. And that's exactly what this youngest son did. He got it all and he said, okay, I'm out. Then you want to talk about even ruder than the first thing of asking for it in the first place? Daddy just funded his trip and he doesn't go next door. He doesn't move down the valley a little ways and start his own house, his own family, his own farm so he can be close to daddy. Look what he does. He does the rudest things possible. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together everything he had and took his journey, look where he went. Far country. Man, that means I'm getting as far away from y'all as I can get. Well, thank you for all the money, though. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that third. Thank you. But I'm out. He had to go somewhere where nobody was going to know whose boy he was, Nathan. He had to go somewhere where they didn't know how his family lived at home in the country he's from. He had to go to a far country where nobody knew him, nobody knew his family name, nobody knew how they lived, they didn't know anything about him. He wanted to get as far away as he could and live as far opposite as he'd been grown up living, raised to live as he could when he got there. Watch, watch what happens. He goes into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. That's King James Version for partying. <laughs> this boy partied his inheritance away. Partied his third until it was gone. Bought the rounds every night until he didn't have enough to buy himself a round. Bought the bag. Bought the pipe. Hit up the house and then invited everybody over to the crib. Supplied the party all night, air night. Did you catch that, air night? Catch that? <laughs> Riotous living. Riotous. That means you knew when this guy's going to have a party, somebody was boxing. Am I the only one who had a friend like that? I didn't care where we go, what we do. I didn't care if it was all eight foot tall uh, WWE wrestlers if we walked into that bar. This knucklehead was going to start a fight with somebody in that bar. I remember having to go in there and drink as fast as I could because I knew I could drink as quick as I could before we got thrown out. That's riotous living, man. Talking smack to all the bouncers. Ah, yeah, come on out! Get thrown out and then run and dive underneath the car, slide under the car, and hear all them bouncers run around everywhere looking for you while you're laying under the car. That's riotous living, man. That's exactly what this dude did with his. Notice what it says he did. He did it with his substance. Hmm. You know what the Bible says faith is? 
Mm. <laughs> One of the things that makes up faith is substance. The far country, you know, when you've been in the kingdom long enough, you can start to tell signs of when someone's starting to entertain ideas of the far country. Because it might not necessarily be something in their eye. They might not be rude to you when they greet you before and after service, but, but, but maybe all this time in worship, there would at least be something from them. Maybe, maybe this wasn't their thing. Maybe this was. Or maybe this was. It don't matter. It was their thing. But all of a sudden, when somebody stops doing their thing, one service, okay, we all go through that, but two or three, and then pretty soon they ain't got a thing? Far country. Substance. What's substance do we get when, when we become heirs in the kingdom? When we get ours, what do we become? What kind of substance do we get? We get peace in our home. Do you know sometimes I'm so spoiled by the peace I have in my home, I don't realize everybody don't have it until I go to some other home that ain't got any? I mean, you walk through the door and have to duck because your shoe's coming airborne. <laughs> and it ain't the kids. Right, exactly. It's the adults. It's all chaos, like police academy. That one family beat each other to death all the time, just like that with no peace. Our substance is peace. Our substance is love. You know what else our substance is? A laugh. Shouldn't nobody be quicker to laugh at something than us? Good grief. And shouldn't nobody ever around me be self-conscious about laughing? Man, I got one tooth gone on this side, half on the other. The ones I got left are crooked and yellow. And I throw my head back and horse laugh. Don't care. It's some of the substance my father has given me. And if you don't think what I'm laughing is that funny, you'll laugh sooner or later anyway because you'll be laughing at me. Right. Mm -hmm. Only years living my life with nothing to laugh about, man. <laughs> when I finally had some things in my life that were laugh-worthy, I laughed because they're worthy. <laughs> exactly. This guy went and he does the first thing, wasted his substance, with riotous living, wasted them. Look at this. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Quink and ink, think not. It doesn't say after he spent all. It doesn't say he spent all and then someday after there arose a mighty famine. It says, and when he had spent all, there arose. It was like God, the Father, was waiting for them to run out of their substance and then there wasn't going to be anything anywhere else for them either. Mighty famine arose. And he began to be in want. That want means to, to do without. To do without something you need. He began to be in want. This dude didn't have a clue up until now what it was to be in want. Thought he did, but he didn't. Before he'd been back at daddy's working in the father's house. Always had a meal, always had a roof over his head, clothes on his back, somewhere warm in the winter and cool in the summer. But now, this is the first time in his life he knows what want is. And that's because all his substance is gone. Look, when he took what the Father gave him and said, I want one-third of what you have right now, and he walked away with that one-third, that meant there was an ending to that resource. But the father is still back at his house 
with this other son who's got two-thirds, and the father wasn't worried about giving it all away because he knew what he did to get it the first time. So he's back at home, and he's working again every day. And guess what? It might only be a penny a day or a nickel or a dime or a dollar fifty. But every day that that younger son has been gone, spend, spend, waste, waste, daddy has been back home, earn, earn, save, save. If he would have left everything in the father's hands, it would have continued to grow and he would have more now than on the day that he left. But when he took it out of the father's hands, it was no longer something that could be grown. It could only be spent, which means there is an ending. Hear me today. Once you develop a relationship with God that is real and it's yours, and things start to change about you, there's going to be some people that you've had in your life all your life that all of a sudden ain't going to be interested in hanging no more. Because you change too much, you see. Yes. But the very things that cause them to not want anything to do with you anymore are things that when you go to work will cause you to find favor in the eyes of the people around you. And those things that cause us to find favor out in the world with people are all things that God has given to us. So when we cut ourselves off from the Father's house, we're no longer plugged in to a resource that is infinite. But when we cut ourselves off from the Father's house, we take away whatever piece it is we've accumulated up until then, whatever hope, whatever strength, whatever joy, whatever moral high ground we have, and we take that out of the Father's hands, we take control of it, and we begin to spend and spend and spend. And sooner or later, because we have no more contact with the Father's unlimited resources, we're going to run out. Yeah. Yes. This man ran out. Now, it's interesting to note, he had riotous living every night. It's not really easy to live riotously by yourself. I mean, I've gotten arrested all by myself. I started fights all by myself. I've been whooped good all by myself. But riotous living, usually there's a posse involved. Uh, it's curious to see what happens to this posse today. When the famine comes, he spent all there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. He went, look what he did. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, that country. It points that out for a reason. He'd been in that country as long as it had taken him to blow everything. And we know he didn't blow everything by himself. We know he had some new friends when he showed up and had all that money and had all the party himself. Where are his friends now? I would suggest to you that this man, it says, that he went and joined himself to from that far country was one of his new friends. Was probably a buddy that had come over every night as long as the booze and the drugs were flowing. A buddy that came over as long as his new friend was blowing money. But now there's no more money to blow. And that new friend ain't coming over to our young son's house. Now our young son 
because he's ran out of his father's substance. Now he turns to those in that far country. And when it says he joined himself to that man from the far country, that means we ride and we die. I say, I joined myself to Robert. That means Robert eats good tomorrow, so do I. Robert starves tomorrow, we're both hungry. Robert gets in a fight tomorrow, I got his back. I'm joined to him. He joined himself to somebody from the far country. Didn't live like he'd been brought up living. Didn't see things the way that all his people back home saw things. Joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. It's like, man, look, dude. Man, I gotta get a hold of my dad. I'm out of money, I ain't got my bread, I ain't got no food, I'm hungry. I mean, I'm broke, man. You know, and we're friends, right? Any way you can help me? Yeah, yeah, I got something for you to do. You know, one of those times you was drunk, you mentioned to us that you were, you were a Jew. And you start telling us about all the rules of being a Jew and serving your guys one God. I remember, you know, you thought you was all that when you had all that money. And I remember you talking one night about being a Jew and then how the Jews weren't supposed to, weren't supposed to eat swine or have anything to do with them, not touch them, not be around them. Say, so, yeah, I got a job for you. I got some pigs need feeding. This is a mockery from his new friend. <clears throat> a mockery of his relationship with God that he'd ever had before and of his people. And he sends him to do the one thing that any good Jew boy still back home at the father's house would tell you, I'll die before I'm feeding any pigs, man. That's what they would tell you. That's like people of God today that would say, I'll die before I get the mark of the beast. I'll die before I worship an image. I'll die first. And that old saying that sin will take you farther than you want to go, cause you to stay longer than you ever thought you would. Cost a higher price than you ever thought it would. This guy goes into the pig pen because you know what? What does my religion count now? What does all those rules with God count now? Ain't none of my people here. I got no choice. I'm going to go right into that pig pen. And this youngest son did the one thing he probably said five million times as a kid he would never do. Then it gets worse. It says he would have fain filled his belly with the husk of swine, did he? Can do one out there that's going to feed the pigs? He got to look at that pig food and said, that's looking kind of good. Okay, I don't know how hungry you got to be for pig food to look good. I'm thinking that's hungry. Huh? I mean, come on now. And this says the husks. So that means there ain't even nothing in here. There's husks. It's scraps. It's leftovers. Those pigs sound awful happy with it. I ain't eating three days. Dumpster diving. I'm telling you. Walk away from what you know about your father, what you know about your father, 
and take all the good things that your father has given you. I'm not talking about a church or religion or denomination. I'm talking about the good things your father has given you. We make up our mind to walk away from that and do it our way. We know how to do it now. We're going to be good. We ain't going back there again. There will be a day where all this is gone. And we're going to look around and in our shame, we're going to go further away than we've ever been before. And that's where this man found himself. But look what happened to him. He said he would have fain filled his belly with the husk of swine did eat. No man gave it to him. No man gave him nothing. Time's tough, dude. Got to get your own. I got to take care of my own house. Don't you know there's a famine? Man, I don't know if you've ever been in a position in your life where you needed something and wouldn't nobody help you. Now, this guy's looking around at all these people that he'd been helping and however long he was there until his inheritance was gone. And none of these people help him do nothing. I got to say this again. Don't be fooled. Your personality is lovely. I'll give you that. You have a wonderful, shining, radiant persona. When you walk in the room, nobody can help but smile. But there are some things that the people in the world that don't know God, like you know God, that they like about you that are because of God. And they're not because of you. You hearing me? There's some of the things in our life that will cause people, all you got to do is laugh today. All you got to do is smile today. All you got to do is call a waitress by her name when you go eat after church. And they look all startled because you were nice to them. Yeah. And they'll respond back the same way. But it's because of what you've gotten from your father. Now this man was getting ready to eat what the pigs was eating. Nobody gave him nothing. He ain't got one friend around him. Look what it says. When he came to himself. Who was he before? He wasn't in his right mind before. He wasn't thinking straight before. Can you imagine in that pig pen what the enemy is telling him? You've gone too far now. You're in the pig pen. If your daddy saw you now, he would never have nothing to do with you again. You've gone so far, ain't none of your people would have anything to do with you now. If you wanted to come back to your father, you couldn't get there. That's what the enemy tells him. But somewhere in that pig pen, the Bible says he came to himself. And then starts talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes, man, sometimes you got to look in the mirror and you just got to say, not today you ain't. Hello, anybody? Uh -huh. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and you got to say, I am going to go in today. You are going in today. You are going to do what you're supposed to do, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And then there's sometimes for some of us where we talk to ourselves and we said, oh, this one's going to hurt. Mm. Notice where he came to himself. It wasn't when he was spending his substance. It wasn't when he was living righteously. It wasn't when he had a mob of friends around. It wasn't when he was back to Father's house making all these plans for the far country. This man did not come to himself until he hit as far down as he could hit. There's a saying about people that get locked up like, like I did. <clears throat> Some folks get arrested. Some folks get rescued. Amen. I was one of them who got rescued. Amen. Because it took me having my feet knocked right out from under me, Jimmy. Yes, sir. It took me hitting the bottom until there wasn't nobody or nothing left to come to myself 
and start thinking right. Some of y'all can look back down the road at some of the hardest times you ever had and realize now that that was one of the best things that could have ever happened to you. That it was Almighty God knocking all those props out of your way so you could get thinking right again. Aha! Woo! Mm. When he came to himself, look what he said. Hey, stand, imagine this, you're walking by and you see some dude standing out in the pig pit. He's standing up and he's talking. Ain't nobody there but pigs. That dude's been out there in the pig pit too long. Yeah, sir. Standing in the pig pit. You know what? When you come to a place where you know there's got to be a change. Hello, anybody here? When you come to a place where you know, I got to make some kind of change. This ain't how I saw it working out. She don't care what anybody else thinks. That's right. You'll stand up in the middle of the pig pen and say, hold it. Yeah. <laughs> Think I've gone far enough. Exactly. <laughs> Came to himself and said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and they got leftovers, man? Man, I've had leftovers in my fridge. I didn't know who left it over. I didn't even remember reading there. I'm rich. You hear me? Some of leftovers in the fridge. Like, man, I want to eat those leftovers. What about them other leftovers? No, what about them other leftovers? No, let's make something new. I'm rich. I am rich. And this guy says, you know what? I ain't liking this far country so good. And he got to looking where he was. Being real about where he was, right? Because we try to see ourselves in the best light. And when we're not doing that, we're letting the devil win by seeing ourselves in the worst possible light. But we really have a hard time just being real and truthful about who we are and where we are. Especially when it's unattractive. This dude said, I'm in a pit pen over here. And I did it. See, I'm not one of those guys who went to prison because my daddy didn't buy me the Stretch Armstrong at Walmart when I was a kid. Some of y'all too young know what that is. <laughs> huh? I didn't go to prison because my mama didn't love me. I made mistakes. I made decisions. I put myself in that place. Just like this guy. I'm in a big fit here and I did it. That's when it's time to be fair too. And look back at decisions that brought us to the big fit and say, maybe I should consider some other decisions. And he said, man, I'm standing over a pig pen, Nelson. I'm still hungry. I'm nasty. Only two things in the pig pen, either food or poop. And he's walking around, probably not in the food. He smells nasty. And he's starting to think about it in his father's house. He's starting to think about the, the guy that, that takes care of the sheep in the barn and, and, and shovels the poop. At least that guy's got a shovel. I'll just walk around in his pig pen barefoot. Had some shoes, <laughs> need another rock. I ain't got a shovel for my, my poop. He thinks about the guy back to the father's house. Always tired, hunched over a little bit, but always got a meal, always got a roof over his head because his father takes care of him because he's working for the father. And he says, oh, those guys got leftovers and I can't even find nothing to put in my belly. Here's what I would say to you today. There will be bad days in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It will, man. Life happens. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes that rain ain't to raise a crop. It'll flood you right out. Live long enough and you'll see. But one thing 
that I've learned about this father over these years is that when we do live for him, there are leftovers. This man's in the pig pen. So those guys, the, the servants are doing better than me. So here's what I would say to you. There will be bad days in the kingdom of God. Life will happen. But on your worst day in the Father's house is better than their best day in the pig pen. Are you hearing me? There will be days where you don't feel God. You don't even know if the people that love you love you. You know they do, but you just ain't clicking in here. Going to be some days where you're feeling down here. Does God even hear me when I pray? But even on those days, you can turn to this book and find something that says, yeah, he hears me when I pray, whether I feel him or not. And you'll start to realize that my worst day in the Father's house is better than my best day out there without him. See, the reason why is there'll be some days you'll come in here and you got nothing left, man. You had a week and you spent it all and you got nothing left. And you come in here and maybe that day you can't get up and do your normal thing you do. Maybe you can't. Maybe that week has taken that much out of you. But you can sit down in the chair while somebody else who had a better week stands up and lifts their hands. And you can relax and begin to enjoy the atmosphere you're in. And you'll see what will happen is you're in the Father's house now. And those resources you have, those substances of peace and joy and hope and love that you had all week but got sucked right out of you by the world and life in the Father's house, you can be refilled. Yes, it is yes, unending. Yep. There is no limit to the supply. So when you run out, come back. When you run out again, come back again. Just keep coming back and God will refill. Yes. Amen. Out there, there ain't no refill. Right. You get to the end of that bag, and all them plots when you were Wile E. Coyote, super genius, high as a kite, how to get another bag all of a sudden. Now that you're at the end of the bag, those genius ideas ain't so genius, and you know there ain't another bag coming. And then you start to think of all the dumb things you have done again, and you say, this one's going to hurt. Not so in the Father's house. So there's another thing about the Father's house I want to tell you before we move on. I want to tell you this. Also in the Father's house, there may be somebody in here that, that maybe you never got to eat with. You may not. You may never get more of a chance to say, hey, man, what's happening, brother? Hey, I'll see you next week, dude. All right. And maybe that's all you get to do. But know this. When you come into the Father's house, the rest of the Father's children will send their strength your way. Will pray for you will worship stand in for you you will draw strength from the father and the other children in his house and there is no end this is cool how many fire hired servants have my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger I'm starving over here and then look what he says he's going to do he, he rehearses it I will rise. That's the first thing you got to do is get up. Is I'm going to get up and go. You just got to make up your mind. I'm going to get up and do it. And that's what he did. Look, he says, I will rise and go to my father. And then he, he practices what he's going to say, Stacy. Look, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I'm no worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of the hired servants. I get it, him rehearsing this. I can remember sitting in church after I'd had the Holy Ghost and sitting there for a month wanting to say hallelujah. All these people have been in the church for 85 gazillion years, said it all the time, and it sounded natural. In my mind, I was going to sound like a dork if I said it. It took me weeks to work up the courage. And one day, I'd rehearsed it over and over in my head. When to do it, how to do it, how loud to be, everything. I'm telling you. Then the time came, I said, hallelujah. I said, oh, well, that wasn't so bad after all. That's pretty easy. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I get this guy rehearsing it. I mean, that father's got no reason to take him back, Jimmy. Right. You're right. He dishonored him, disrespected him. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. And I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And then I know what else I'll say. I'll say, I am no worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. I will say this from experience, that when you walk away from the father's house, and you stop living for God and you go into a backslidden condition, which I have, and I know it too well. I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I use every bit of my testimony to help somebody. I will tell you that just like this guy right here says, I have no worthy to be called your son. That's, that's the way you feel. Yeah. It's like, who am I for him to call me a son after what I've done? I'm no worthy. Let, let me help you with that. You never were. All right. <laughs> When this son was back home working at the father's house, Lord, he still wasn't worthy. When he was doing everything the way he was told, he still wasn't worthy. I mean, why was he born in that father's house with all that stuff? And the guy downtown was born into a peasant's home with nothing. This guy didn't do anything to be born into that house. He wasn't worthy. He didn't earn it, didn't deserve it, but he got it. And that's who we are anyway, isn't it? I mean, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but we got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. But in his head, he said, I'm, I'm no more worthy. Make me as one of your hired service. And, and another thing, too, when you start to make your way back, you know what you say? I don't care what your office was before you backslid or what your calling was. When you're making your way back, you're saying, God, I don't have to be nothing. Just let me in. I don't have to preach. Just let me in. I'll clean the bathrooms. Let me in, God. I just want to be in. I don't have to be nothing. I just want back in. That's exactly what this guy said. He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, look at this. It doesn't say when he was a great way off, Nathan, that he saw his father. So you can get somewhere in your life where the father seems so far away from you, you, don't, you can't see him. It ain't that you don't love him. It ain't that you don't want to be with him. It ain't that you don't want to serve him. don't want to please him. He's just so far away. He feels so far away. But even when this son, there's no record of him seeing the father, the father saw him. Mm. Yeah. somebody needs to be comforted today that even in those times where you don't feel like God is moving and in your mind you've convinced yourself you don't deserve him to let me help you you never did none of us ever did even back then when we were doing it right and living good and living holy and got all the stuff going on right and God did all that awesome stuff guess what we still didn't earn it right, right. So the first thing is, yeah, you're right, I don't deserve it. But what a father I've got that he would do it anyway. <laughs> what a God he is. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. So I want to tell you today, too, he sees you. You hear me? He sees you. And he doesn't see you like a judge. 
Look at the way he sees you. Look at this. His father Solomon had compassion. How? She couldn't have empathy because her father never left the house, never just took it and stuff and wasted it and right just living. He couldn't have empathy. And that means you, I feel you. That's what empathy is. I feel you. Sympathy is, I don't feel you. I don't know what that's like, but that has got to be awful. I feel bad for you. I'm going to try to help you feel better. That's what compassion is. And the father knew it was the son's fault. You hearing that? The father knew. When he saw his son and he smelled like pig, he knew. Didn't nobody throw you in that pig pen? You dove. The father knew when his son came back, he didn't come back with, with his suitcases full of all the stuff he left with. Now see, he came back without even any shoes on, dude. And the father knew. This is your fault. But you don't see that anywhere in anything he does or says. You know how you do see it? It's your fault. But you came back. Right. I'm going to help you. It's your fault. But you came back. I'm going to help you. The father didn't care that the son had left. And left loaded down. And was coming back empty handed. The father didn't care that the son had given him a bad name anywhere. Didn't care about those things. All the father cared was that the son was back. And all the son had to do was come back. And the father ran. Ran. How could the father see the son that far away? And then he runs where the son is. I don't know how long that son was gone. We don't know how much substance he had to blow. But you can blow an awful lot in just a couple minutes. We don't know how long he was gone. But for this father to see him while he was so far down that road, the father had to be looking down that road. From the day that son left, that father had to come out to the end of that driveway and look down that road and say, is today the day my son's coming home? And then nobody would come. And then the next morning, the father comes out, comes out to the edge of the driveway, puts his hand over his eyes. Is today the day nobody comes home? And the season goes on until the son he's looking for, until the son that he's longing for runs out of all the good stuff and he's in a pig pen and he says, I'm going back to my father's house. My worst day there was better than my best day here. And he starts coming back home and it's on that day the father looks looks down the road again and he sees his son. Amen. And you got to notice this. He doesn't say, can't do this. We've been gone a little while. Get some changes. Right? We're going to need you to go find a river somewhere and take a bath, okay, before you come back. That's pretty embarrassed when you left. So you got to come back and look like one of my sons. And you get all this stuff fixed, okay? I'm going to give you some money, you go out to the next town, get stuff back together, and your eyes ain't yellow, right? Then you come back home, all right? The father didn't give him no conditions. This is capital F, Father. This is God, the Father. And he doesn't give him any conditions. And he doesn't wait for the son to earn his way back. Well, he's the one that left God and left the church. Let him make his way back. It'll be good for him. 
It'll make him stronger. Nope. The father saw him far away and ran to him where he was just like he was in the middle of his condition and met him right there. And when it says he met him right there, he fell. Didn't say he hugged his neck. He fell, huh? I hug a neck. I'm going to do like this with Nathan. Never doubt Nathan will take it in his head. He wants to hug me and lift me off the ground. Like, you know, that's when you fall on someone. Just, mm-hmm. just fell on Oh, I'm so glad to see you, Nathan. (laughs) The sun smelt like pig poop, man. That didn't stop the father, did it? No. Father ran right where he was, right in the middle of his mask, and a big old hug, and wept. Now look at this. This is really cool. Remember that speech the son practiced? Well, the father's fell on his neck and he's kissing him and the son starts his speech. And he starts it just like he rehearsed it. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And he gets ready to say, make me as one of thy hired servants. But the father doesn't even pay him any attention. Doesn't even look at him. The father interrupts him and speaks to a servant. He acts like dude ain't even talking, Nathan. He just turns around and gives his servant an order, ain't even listening to him. The father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe. The son didn't even get a chance to say, just make me his. The son would have came in and been happy to be a servant. But the father said, I got a robe for you. And not only do I have a robe, I got the best robe for you. He says, go get the best robe. Put it on. You know what the robe is for a child of God in the New Testament church? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The reason I will preach baptism once every four or five Sundays in Jesus' name is because it is the only Bible way to wash sins away. Period. If it said, be baptized in the name of Daffy Duck for the remission of sins, I would go down in the name of Daffy Duck and come up quacking. I don't care. If it says my sins can be gone, I'm in. That best robe for a child of God is the blood. See, this robe that he put on his son, who's still dirty from the pig pen, is a robe that shows he belongs to the family. He's in the family. He's not just a hired servant. This is a family robe. And then his father says the next thing, bring the best robe and put it on him. When we mess up with God, and we've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, when we mess up with God after that, all we have to do is be sincerely sorry we blew it, Ask God to forgive us, and God puts a brand new coat of that blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Brand new coat. Washed. That's why the Father said, put the best robe on him. Now when you see him, all you see is a robe. You don't see the pink pen. You don't see where he came from. All you see is a family robe. He's got the blood. He's got the robe. And then the next thing the Father's son is, the Father says is, put a ring. On his hand. Wait, what do you mean? How are you going to put a ring on my whole hand? That's a big ring. Isn't that a bracelet? 
It was a ring that went on a finger. But the reason he said put it on his hand is because this ring was the family signet, the family seal. It would usually have a letter of their last name and some kind of a design. And when they would send a, a write a letter to send into town or, or a document, they would roll that document up in the piece of paper and then they would melt some wax and put it over the, the crease with a candle maybe and they would take that family signet and stamp that thing. And what that meant was is anybody that saw in this thing, no matter who it was, if they wanted to know who wrote this, it's that family. If they wanted to know the authority that this letter was written in, it was the authority, I love this, the authority of that family. So when this son comes back from the pig pen that he went to, his father puts his robe back on, his sins are washed away, got a new covering of the blood, his father puts the ring on and says, now you got the blood covering you again, you've got the family seal, you've got the authority of that family name. He gave him a robe. He gives him a ring. And then he says, put shoes on his feet. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask Jimmy and Stacy to, to get ready unless you're going to break the altar. Either alternative is wonderful. Surely most of us can remember the day somewhere back down the road where we came to ourselves. day back down the road, maybe with a lifestyle or something in our life, and we said, man, that's enough. It's enough. This ain't working. This man gets his robe, his covering of blood. And I want to say to you today, if the bar country's been seeming a little appealing to you lately, That don't mean you're backslid. It's bothering you. If the far country's been seeming a little appealing to you lately and things that haven't appealed to you in a long time, kind of for some reason lately have seen to shine a little bit to you, that's just your flesh and it's looking at the far country and you're the one that needs to come to yourself and say, whoa, man, I don't have to go relearn something. So I took that test. I don't know. Been there, done that, don't want the shirt, don't ever want to go there and do that again. If that's you today, <coughs> maybe you've been feeling the substance, the Father's substance, maybe you've not been feeling it in your life as much as you have been. And it's starting to bother you. Today's your day. The robe is right here. 
All I got to do is, God, I'm sorry, Lord, I want to be close to you than I am. You may not even be able to put your finger on one certain thing and say, I did this, and now there's this distance. You may not be able to do that. You, you may just be aware that there's a distance between you and the Father, and you don't want it there anymore. That might be all you're able to do, but that's all you have to do because you can say, Lord, I don't like this distance. Man. Draw me closer, God. <coughs> and ask Him to recover you. Get another covering of that blood. Lord, I plead the blood today. I want another covering. 